Hello, everybody. I'm Kathy Yang. This is the podcast edition of Business Nightly. Philippine shares staged a last-minute bounce, making it today's best performer in Asia. But as Michelle Long tells us, the local market's rally wasn't enough to turn the whole week around. After a wobbly start, Philippine shares managed to finish up on Friday, outperforming their Asian peers, which were mostly up as well, as data showed China's economy grew as expected in 2019, despite the trade war. The PSE index up nearly 1% for the day, but still down for the week, its second weekly loss for the year. Uh, AAA equity says traders have been hoping for some sort of deja vu. It's been a pretty uneventful year so far as far as corporate developments are concerned. Um, for the last two years, we saw huge run-ups in January, so really strong rallies that sustained the local bourse for the whole year. Um, Mainly this is due to portfolio rebalancing of large institutions. And right now, we're waiting for the same effect to happen, and it doesn't seem to be happening yet. In corporate stories, Jollibee taps the capital market for the first time since its IPO in 1993. The fast food chain giant is raising $600 million from the issuance of dollar-denominated guaranteed senior securities. It's starting to uh, look like they are overextending themselves quite a bit. Uh, it was first um, seen around second or third quarter when um, their net income dipped significantly. While we, we already know and we've already priced in the fact that uh, Smashburger will continue to incur losses and while they go on to their rationalization program. But uh, they're being uh, more exposed to other risks like for example during the previous quarter when uh, Red Ribbon faced some supply issues they were not uh, insulated for that risk because of because they're already dealing with such a huge uh, drag from Smashburger and then add that to acquiring another um, f another business that is not as profitable the group will use the proceeds primarily to refinance short-term debt from the acquisition of the coffee bean and tea leaf in September last year. It adds the funds would help it strengthen its balance sheet and achieve its vision to become one of top five restaurant companies in the world. Next week we get GDP print. That could move the needle. The expectation? It will at least come close to, if not hit, the low end of government's target, 6%. A good GDP print could attract more investors to come back to this market that's already been battling with low volumes and movement for the past couple of weeks. Michelle Long, ABS-CBN News. The International Monetary Fund believes the Philippines is in a good position to weather various global economic risks. The agency even sees the country's GDP hitting 6.3 percent in 2020. But Chang Kyung Ri, the director of IMF's Asia and Pacific Department, says the Philippine government should work further towards inclusive growth. Philippines is in a reasonably very good uh, situations. Especially, we believe that uh, uh, the, not only the macro management, monetary policy, and fiscal policy, many reform is gaining momentum. We really like the idea of having more infrastructure investment. But when people have uh, emphasized infrastructure investment, just expenditure side, we are worrying about, about accumulation of that. 
But now the government is introducing more tax reform to enlarge the tax base and the revenue basis. So when you look at the last couple of years, even though infrastructure investment increased, it increased the growth, then make a tax over GDP rate, I mean, tax revenue increase, that make the debt over GDP ratio maintained at the current level. So at this moment, somehow, Philippines is managing the you know, high growth and the fiscal and financial stability uh, relatively well. So at this moment, I'm more concerned the external headwind rather than the internal uh, you know, ma economic management because you're in good hand. But I think we really hope that this momentum and the especially reform momentum continues. Which takes us back to inclusive growth. You made a yeah, mention yeah. of it. Uh, infrastructure spend aside, structural mm. reform progress mm. is also key. Mm. And, and that includes the rise tarification law, mm. tax reforms, mm. national digital ID, mm. the mm. ease of mm. doing business, mm. and the charter mm. uh, of the central bank, mm. and, and the further amendments that can be made. Mm. Where is the Philippines when it comes to inclusive growth? Have we made any improvements? It's improvement. I, I mean, I, this is an area that uh, I think I have to say because I lived here uh, in the 2010 to 2014, and I know the uh, relatively speaking Philippine uh, economy very well. There has been a significant progress in this inclusive growth area, but I think uh, uh, level of the poverty and then also level of inequality is quite high compared to your peers. I think this is the area, and the current government is addressing this issue, this area Philippines has to focus more on so that high growth can be shared. Yeah, but the poverty incidence, just looking mm. at the data, it's mm. dropped. Yeah. Uh, the, the rate had mm. dropped in mm. the Philippines to 16.6% mm. yeah. in 2018. Yeah. So 17.6 million mm. poor Filipinos versus 2015's 23.5 million. Yeah. Yeah. So Isn't I'm saying, that quite an improvement? No, no, actually improvement. So improvement side, I'm, I'm, I'm very happy to see. My point is absolute, still absolute level in terms of your natural resources. I like, I know the whole hardworking Filipino people. All this, you know, your potentials, I mean the level of the inclusiveness, level of poverty and the level of the inequalities has a room to go down. Catch my full interview with IMF's Chang Yong-ri on The Boss airs Thursday, 7.30 in the evening, only here on ANC. Philippine Central Bank Governor Benjamin Diokno floats multiple possibilities on adjusting key rates as the country's monetary officials meet next month. Diokno explains they have enough room to stick to the easing bias. This even as inflation seen creeping up gradually from 2019 levels amid volatile oil prices. In reality, we still have a lot of monetary space okay? and also fiscal space because, as you know, our uh, deficit to GDP ratio is only in the neighborhood uh, of 3%, and our debt to GDP ratio is also around 40%. The foreign component is around 23%. So, so we have a lot of fiscal space. So. At the moment, uh, in, like in December, we post for for any policy adjustment and and cut in the reserve requirements. So, uh, but if things uh, if there are some changes and we need to maybe uh, also in compliance with my my uh, forward guidance that we plan to to reduce the reserve requirement to single digit by the end of my term, which is about 14 quarters from now, okay? then we have a lot of possibilities. 
In 2019, key interest rates were slashed by 75 basis points, while the bank's reserve requirement ratios were also cut by 400 basis points. The Philippine Central Bank monitoring the effects of Taal's eruption on the country's inflation. That's after the latest government data showed that the agriculture damage due to the restive volcano now reaches over 3 billion pesos. Warren de Guzman tells us more. Philippine Central Bank Governor Benjamin Jokno says it is still too early to assess how the Taal eruption will affect inflation and growth. The Banco Central says it sees inflation averaging 2.9% this year and the next. Jokno says for now, they are watching the situation carefully. Volcano eruption is so unpredictable. Maybe tomorrow it will be normalized already, or it could be a prolonged period, so we don't know yet. The economy is about 18 trillion, right? So, uh, so if you look at the numbers, and in relation to the size of the economy, that's not very, very big. The impact uh, on, on agriculture, for example, is not that nice. The Agriculture Department just upgraded its estimated damage to the farm sector from Taal's eruption to more than 3 billion pesos or $59 million from half a billion pesos or just $10 million. The agency attributes the increase to additional reports coming from the province of Laguna and the updated reports from Batangas and Cavite. Uh, we have the in fisheries and tilapia uh, for in particular and uh, coffee and coconut that's in as a breakdown but a billion for uh, the, the amount of uh, the actual damage in fisheries we're asking other regions to fill in the supply slack in metro Manila as Dal lake the supply 60 percent of our tilapia and then uh, also we're um, gathering uh, support or help from other uh, farmers in Cordillera and Vizcaya to provide uh, this food for our fellow, their fellow farmers. Jokno says they are also looking at other effects from the eruption, including forecasts for a possible decline in real estate prices in and around the Taal volcano area and adverse effects to the local banking system. There is a fear that the property values in that neighborhood will decline, right? That's a possibility, right? If, if you have a house there right now, don't you want to sell your house? Leave, right? We do all this this uh, stress testing. Out of the lo total loan portfolio, only 17% go to real property. The BSP is also looking at possible regulatory relief for banks within the Taal Volcano Danger Zone. Jokno says they will update their assumptions for inflation and growth in time for the Philippine Central Bank's first monetary policy meeting of 2020 on February 6th. Warren de Guzman, ABS-CBN News. Amid disruptions caused by the rest of Daal Volcano, one of the country's major investments promotions agency is looking to require economic zone developers to get a geohazard clearance first before they can start construction. Bruce Rodriguez reports. Dal Volcano has been causing alarm and disruption to surrounding areas since it started erupting. The volcano, located just around 60 kilometers south of the Philippines' capital, also rests in a region that's known for its economic and industrial importance to the whole country. 
There are 60 special economic zones in the region, locally called Calabarzon, according to the Philippine Economic Zone Authority, or PESA, one of the country's major investments promotion agencies. And because of the vulnerabilities exposed by Taal Volcano, PESA Director General Cherito Plaza says they're now eyeing to require EcoZone developers to secure geohazard clearances first before they can get approval. Henceforth, because of this experience, we will really require now EcoZone developer applicants to get a geohazard clearance that the location of their eco zones are away from the danger zones or the disaster-prone areas. But she adds while some of their locators in the region were forced to shut operations for up to two days, they were still generally safe and have resumed operations at 90 to 94 percent capacity as of Friday. Plaza also reveals they'll launch an incident command system and center soon to better prepare for natural calamities. Because the longer that the operations of our locators will be affected, no, it will cost us millions and billions of dollars and they might even lose their buyers in the global market. No? Okay, and it may even be a reason for their exit once the Philippines cannot address these uh, contingency measures. She also says they're encouraging locators in Calabarzon to put up branches in other echo zones in the countryside to gain operational redundancy and assure business continuity in times of disasters. Calabarzon hosts the largest number of echo zones in the country, covering 4,000 hectares of land and contributing nearly $3 billion in exports. Bruce Rodriguez, ABS-CBN News. Taal's eruption also affecting classes in several areas. Uh, some classrooms had to be used as temporary shelters. As Ron Gagalak tells us, this prompted calls for the construction of actual evacuation centers. It has been days since the eruption of Taal volcano, and this has adversely affected classes in affected areas. With the lockdown being implemented, and schools being used as evacuation centers. There are no learning centers available for children. Many of the children who are unable to go to class, especially those in evacuation centers, really have nothing to do but wait. On Monday, classes will resume in Batanga City East Elementary School. Half of the school is being used as an evacuation center, but the other half will be for the students. The Education Department has issued an order to accept students who evacuated from any town in Batangas and include them in classes. But many children, evacuees, do not have learning materials. Teachers hope people will also donate books, pencils, and other educational materials. But because the school calendar has been affected, classes in affected areas may extend until summer. There were a lot of questions from the teachers when they met Education Secretary Leonor Briones in Batangas. They want to know when can they check the schools located within the 14-kilometer radius danger zone. They also want to find out how long will evacuees stay in schools and when classes will resume in schools partially or totally damaged. It depends kung ano ang maging behavior ni Taal, kung kailan siya tatahimik. Briones hopes 
towns and cities in the Philippines will start constructing their own multi-purpose or evacuation centers so schools will not be used as temporary shelters. Willing coming accommodate ang evacuees for some time but not forever and ever. Almost 200 schools are now being used as evacuation centers. During her visit at the Bawan Technical High School, which is among the schools with the largest number of evacuees, Briones called on the teachers to be flexible as Taal remains active. She also called on teachers to teach students regardless of where they came from. Ron Gagalak. ABS-CBN News. And that's it for today. This is the podcast edition of Business Nightly. You can watch highlights, recaps, and exclusive content of our shows online. Subscribe to the ANC YouTube channel, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. Thank you for joining us.